Mortgage companies are laying off employees by the thousands. All that and more on this breaking news update on the Fearless Millionaire podcast. Still haven't closed a deal yet in your real estate business? Not even once. Then you have found the right place. You're a lifesaver. This is... Let's go! The Fearless Millionaire Podcast, where you can gain clarity, confidence, cash flow, and build your business the right way from the inside out. Here's your fearless leader, Nathan Amaral. It was said before, and I'll say it again, that... It is time we're going to see a big shift in the way the real estate industry is trending and the way it's going. I'm your host here, Nathan Amaral. Thanks for coming back to the Fearless Millionaire Podcast show. It's so great to have you here. And I guess today's title will be, you know, Beware Mortgage Brokers. (laughs) I mean, that's really what uh, would probably be a good title because at this point, we're just seeing uh, time and time again, uh, mortgage companies laying off. Now, I don't just mean private mortgage c- companies. I even mean like mortgage brokers, even within a bank, we're seeing layoffs happen over and over again. Um, and actually, it was about two months ago, my good friend, he's actually a Fearless Millionaire member. Um, his wife was a mortgage broker for a big name brand bank. And actually she got laid off. She was an active mortgage broker and she got laid off, but she migrated right into the real estate investing industry at the perfect timing, which is great because she's actually going to be making more uh, money uh, than she was as a mortgage broker. Uh, Cool thing is just a few weeks ago, she closed on her first real estate deal ever, which is such a great feeling. And I think she made about $8,000 on that deal. Fantastic. Kudos to her. And we'll do a little tap there (laughs) instead of a hand slap. So, um, but I want to read you a headline that just came out recently from uh, uh, the Housing Wire news update. We have Aquin, who is planning to lay off more than 2,000 mortgage employees. Right? That's right. That's 2,000, not 200, not 20, 2,000. Now, this is already something that um, they've already laid off 700 employees. Okay, that's already been done in the previous years. Um, and this is going to an expand um, to a, a, just a little bit over 2,300 employees total for Aquin. So now you're probably wondering like, okay, Nate, who's Aquin? Well, uh, if I was to rewind, maybe you've heard this in the previous episodes where I talked about uh, Chase is giving away $1,000. Go check out that episode. Chase is giving away $1,000 if they don't close your loan uh, in a period of 21 days. There's also uh, the Loan Depot has also another guarantee that if they don't close your loan, I think it's in three weeks or something like that or something like that in a certain amount of time, maybe 15 days, that they will actually uh, not charge you any fees to close a loan. Um, And we're seeing a lot of things go digital or big banks trying to become more competitive in the mortgage business. Uh, However, what's happening here and who Aquin is is Aquin is one of the largest mortgage uh, facilitators, uh, originators uh, of mortgages. And they may not have a name. You might not know them publicly. Um, they actually have, they do a lot of, uh, they work with a lot of mortgage uh, brokers, independent brokerage houses. Um, so you might not know them by seeing them driving down the street and seeing their, uh, you know, a brick and mortar building, but they do occupy a lot of office spaces around the country and have a lot of employees, you know? So, um, you know, just up until, you know, basically they had, you know, if to give you some numbers here, they had over 7,000 employees. 
and by the time this is done, they should probably right around maybe uh, 5,700 is what it is. Um, so 5,700 and they're gonna close six of their 10 locations in the United States. So, you know, they're gonna be down to four, four branches and um, yeah, it's just, it's just dwindling. So this goes back to the part of where I said um, in the previous episode, you should go check it out, that there is going to be a big shift in the mortgage business. Now, this is also could be some market indicators for, um, you know, the market and what's happening. You know, a lot of people are wondering when are sales going to taper off? Is it going to slow down? What's going to happen? Um, is this bubble going to pop or is it going to correct itself? Every market corrects itself. And actually, we are about, um, what are we at, uh, 10, 11 years out of the last recession that was declared back in the 2008, 2009. So we are around the 10, 11th mark and real estate tends to have these corrections right around anywhere between 10 and 12 years, okay? Now, this doesn't mean that there's gonna be another crash that's happening, but definitely a market correction. We're also seeing house sales uh, really slow down over in the West, over in California. Now, that is the highest price point market. Um, the average home in California is around $530,000, okay? That's the average median income home. Um, now, compared to the rest of the country, the average home around the rest of the country is around $240,000, uh, $240, $250,000, okay? So if you compare that, if you see what's going on over in California, it's a good indicator to what's going to happen in the rest of the country. And this is what tends to happen throughout, you know, not only in the mortgage business, not only in the real estate business, but also with technology and style and design. For example, California, or as I like to say, those in the West <laughs> um, tend to be the leader of what's going to happen throughout the rest of the United States because they things just happen there first and then it makes its way all the way across the country. Um, so it does take a little bit of time. We've seen this not only uh, in real estate sales, but we've seen it in design, in tech technology, you know, the, some of the biggest and prominent uh, technology companies are over in the in California, and then they start there, and then they branch out, and they spread all the way over to um, the east. I remember years ago, um, I'm going to say maybe good 15 years ago, I used to be in business seminars and trainings, and the, the expert who was talking, you know, uh, research and development, this was also in the mortgage business, would say everything that California comes out with, it takes about 10 years to hit over in the East Coast. Um, now, I think that has changed over the years. I think things have sped up now because one, we have much more prominent internet. We have a lot of things that are moving at a much more faster pace. So I would say that has probably shrunk to 10 years to maybe three years or less. We can see things instantly happen a lot faster. For example, when Lyft and Uber came out, it didn't take them very long to get over to the east side of the country. It was very easy for them to just brand and launch over in New York City. Miami, um, Charlotte, or Washington, uh, very simple to just launch. And we're seeing that happen over and over again. So I think we're going to see the same as well in the real estate market that sales have, haven't have been as hot as they have been in the past. So, you know, just uh, coming into the new year, we saw uh, properties sitting on the market for not only 10 days, we saw them sitting on the market for 20 to 25 days. Then closer now, as we come into March, we're seeing properties sit on the market between 30 and 40 days. So that is kind of tapering off. And then that will probably just 
you know, seep right into the rest of the country as things happen. Now, listen, this is not something to be afraid of. This is not something to be nervous about, or is it, a, you know, should I get involved in the market? Should I wait for things to correct itself? No, you shouldn't wait to get started. There are deals to be had all the time, no matter what's going on in the market. Now, I'll tell you what, is there a certain, um, you know, should you always follow a formula? Should you be buying at a certain uh, price point in that time of market? Yeah, you should be. Because the way you make the most money in real estate investing is not that you got 100% financing, okay? Uh, because listen, I remember, let me, let me kind of finish this thought here and then I'm gonna circle back around. I remember uh, back in 2007, 2008 when I was a mortgage broker, a little bit before that, um, when I was a mortgage broker, I thought it was the best time to buy a property because it was 100% financing and I could easily get a mortgage. I could have got a stated income loans, right? But I was buying, I would be buying at the height of the market. I remember ten, three uh, deckers and four deckers in my local market were um, at its highest point. They were normally like $180,000, $200,000, but they were at the highest, where around $400,000. But I could, I could have easily gotten a mortgage for it, stated income loan during that time. And you know what? My... My ex-fiance dad actually counseled me not to get involved, uh, not to buy at that time. You know, he was actually, you know, he was the guy actually, if you listen to previous episodes, you know, it, he kind of forced me to, to be involved in the financial industry just to marry his daughter. That was like, that was just something, it was like a must. He made it like mandatory, like read this book and, and go to this seminar and all that stuff. And that's actually how I really got interested. Yes, I wanted to make more money, but you know, I believe God puts people in your life for a season, a reason, and a lifetime. And that was definitely, well, it was kind of like twofold. It was for a reason and a season. And, uh, and that actually got me exposed into the real estate investing world that I am in today. Um, so everything happens for a reason, which is great. However, that doesn't mean, um, you know, I'm glad he counseled me not to buy because I didn't hit the crash uh, in that area, um, in that part of the, of, of the town. Now, my business did take a hit in other ways, especially with credit. Um, you know, that, so that was, that was a big thing. However, um, by me avoiding that, that thing and taking counsel and, and being obedient to that counsel, that was great. It saved me anything like a foreclosure, a potential foreclosure, um, you know, uh, on, on the books and stuff like that, you know, just anything lingering for a long period of time. Um, so the thing is, is you got to be careful when you buy real estate at top peaks of the market, even though there's amazing financing. Now we're seeing just a few banks offer 100% financing. It's still available out there actually, it's still available. However, just be a little careful and they do have a lot more regulation now. For example, it's it's no, not too common you're gonna see a stated income uh, documentation loan, um, but they still do offer 100% financing in certain situations. We're not also seeing a big buzz in that area like everybody's getting mortgages, okay? So the way you make the most amount of money in real estate is the way you buy it and how, how much you pay for it. That's where your money's made. So you always wanna be focused on getting a good deal. You wanna get a good deal. Imagine if you're like yard sailing, right? And you're doing a little bit of negotiation. You just wanna get a good deal. Of course you're getting a good deal already because it's already deeply discounted. It's at a yard sale. But you still wanna negotiate and get a better deal than what's stated, right? That's, that's real estate investing, you know, is you want to get a better deal than the market has for it. 
keep that in mind as you build your real estate business because the most of your money that's gonna be made in, in your business is going to be on what you pay for the property. Yes, you can get appreciation. Yes, um, you're, you're gonna, you know, if you do what's called forced value, which is rehabbing the property, um, regardless, even if you don't do forced uh, value, then, oh, forced value or also forced equity, even if you don't do that, you can still get a great deal even if the market tanks a bit more or corrects itself because you bought it at a good price. So that's a major key factor when buying real estate. Keep that in mind. Um, that should not stop you or don't wait on the sidelines for the real estate market to go down. There are different, you might have to change your strategy up a little bit. You might have to just do a little bit different things. For example, let me give you an example. Right now, I have a lot of clients who are um, you know, wholesaling properties. They're, they're, they're putting it under contract, they're taking control and they're turning around and you know, selling, selling off the deal. Um, and the, the thing is, you know, maybe a few, let's say two years ago, you would have more people getting accepted offers, more investors were getting accepted offers around, uh, the 70% rule of thumb, uh, investment to value. Okay. That's pretty much a common thing. However, right now, what we're seeing is that you have to come up a lot higher than that. You can't stay at the 70%. You can't even start at 50%, right? You have to, you have to go up a bit higher. So you have to start around 80 to 85%. And you, you have to use rehab estimates to educate your customer. Okay, so if you have a seller who thinks their house is worth a million dollars, okay, hypothetically, they think it's worth a million dollars. Their neighbor down the road just sold their house for, you know, uh, 10,000 or 20,000 more than what it's worth. That gets them excited. That's why they're listing their house. Now they're interested. You see how that, that thought process rolls, rolls around everywhere is because if people in a community start seeing and hearing that people are selling their homes in that area and it's getting sold for more than what it's worth. People are like overbidding, right? If that's happening, and especially as, as real estate agents start contacting, you know, people and homeowners in the neighborhood and say, hey, we just sold this house for $20,000 more. This is a great time for you to sell. So if you have all that going on in a local area, a local neighborhood, guess what your sellers are thinking and hearing? They're thinking, I can get $20,000 more than what's worth for my property. Here's my chance, right? And then here you come as a real estate investor, sending them a letter, giving them a phone call, whatever, and you're trying to come in at 70 or even 50% below market value. Good luck, it's not gonna happen, right? So the what you'd wanna do and how you'd wanna make that happen is you want to lock up the property closer to 100%, okay? Maybe 80, 85%, you lock up the property, then you do your rehab estimates and you actually give them a real, raw, just real look and a real realization that the property isn't worth that much because of these issues. And if, although right now we have to take a little bit more time to educate the seller that way and make, bring that, you know, I call it, you know, the, the, the Folgers. We need to open up the can of Folgers to them and make them smell the coffee beans because it just brings the reality to the business. So you gotta do a little bit more work on that side of the things right now. But then as the market corrects itself, guess what? More people are gonna be hot to sell and much more motivated and you're gonna get much better deals. The 50% 50 below market value, the 60% and so on and so forth. So that's just typically what's happening right now. And, uh, and actually I'll give you a real example of something that's happening in our real estate business is that you know we were buying houses, um, single family houses, some were manufactured, some modular, um, and some double wides. 
we were buying a bunch of those in uh, in North Carolina. Um, however, what we saw first over in Jacksonville, we saw like the market kind of tightening up. What we mean by that, what I mean by that is um, the market was tightening up because the margins, we saw our profit margins go from, let's say $20,000 to $15,000 to $8,000. We just saw that tightening up. So we're like, okay, is this really worth it? So as we looked around in different markets, we shifted over to Fayetteville and Fayetteville still had some strong uh, numbers. We still got some higher profits. We're back up to 25,000, 30, 30,000. And it was kind of solid for a while, at least a year. And then one of the things we noticed happening in that area is properties that we were picking up for like $15,000 or $25,000. Well, guess what? Those properties started ticking up and up and up. And so now we're seeing properties right around you know, maybe as high as $50,000. That doesn't mean they're worth 50,000, but the same property that we were buying last year for like 25 is now being sold at um, $50,000. So what does that tell you? In a matter of a year, the price has doubled. You see, the price has doubled like from 25 to 50. So now if we were to buy now, it's gonna be even more expensive. So you have two options in that case. We could stay in that market and continue to market for good deals and just continue to pump more money into marketing, or we have to shift and change markets. And you know, a lot of investors don't do this. They don't slightly change the market. I'm not talking about change the strategy. I'm talking just change the market slightly. It might be in the same state, which is a good idea, but changing the market maybe in a certain town, um, certain city, you might have to just change the market a little bit. You look for different pockets, depending on what your strategy is, Okay. So I share that with you because it's not something that you just want to run away from. You don't want to just say or, or, or hold off and sit on the sidelines for. You don't want to wait for market corrections. You just have to work your way around it because there's always going to be market corrections. And even though we have historic figures to look at, right? And we know history repeats itself and we can kind of, you know, estimate that we've seen the real estate market, you know, on average anywhere between, you know, 10 to 12 years it takes it to correct itself. We've seen those are those are historically true. However, we don't want to we don't want to be stuck in wait mode, and we also don't want to um, you know uh, something else to happen, and then we miss out on a great opportunity. You got me. So keep that in mind as you're building your real estate business. This is not a time to uh, sit back and wait. Actually, the best time to be in real estate is ten years ago. <laughs> no, seriously, what I mean by that is. You should have been doing this 10 years ago. And I hope that creates an urgency for you. I hope that if you have been thinking and wishing or dreaming and or just sitting on the sideline and watching other people get real estate, I wanted to repeat to you that you should have been doing this 10 years ago. And you should have been doing more of it 10 years ago. I should have been doing more 10 years ago. And that thought process is just for you to change your mindset that you need to do something now. We need to do more now than rather push and wait it off for later. Procrastination is the killer of all great potential. Something that we could be put off tomorrow. You know, scripture says so well that don't wait for tomorrow what can be done today. 
I mean, think about that. Some of the most wisest people uh, and leaders have grabbed that scripture verse and actually said, I'm not going to wait for tomorrow. I'm not going to put this off to next week. It's, it's this, it's this saying that I love to use so much, even for my goals and, you know, uh, life evaluation. I say, what can I do today to get myself closer to that goal? What can I do today to get myself one step closer to that goal? And when you have that mindset, when you have your, your vision board in front of you and you see what's going on in your business and you see, not just focus on what's not working and why isn't deals closing or why is the money coming in? No, no, no. When you change your focus and you think about what can I do today, what isn't working and what needs to work? What can I try differently? What can I tweak in my business to make it better, to make it more efficient, maybe to get more offers out, to get more properties under contract? What are the things that I need to do to change my business to make it better? And I'll tell you what, it's not another seminar. Seminars are great. Yeah, they'll, they'll change you for a few days. They'll give you a whole bunch of information. But what really happens is, is in your mindset right now where you're at, it's the attitude of belief. It's the attitude that, you know, when you get, you know, punched in the face, and I mean that by when someone rejects your offer, when you, you know, are just feeling stuck, maybe you're the type where you just hit your computer and you're like, okay, what do I do now? right? It's those moments where you're like, oh man, how am I going to pay my bills next month? And you just in that mode, you have to turn on something different in your mind. And I mean different is you have to get some new information. You have to get motivational uh, information in there to help move you along. Sometimes it's a video. Sometimes it's a training by Tony Robbins. Sometimes it's even this podcast. Sometimes it's even a piece of music. By the way, if you haven't listened to the Fearless Millionaire uh, music playlist, if you haven't listened to the playlist, I encourage you to check it out and listen to it. You can actually listen to the Fearless Millionaire playlist through Apple Music or through Spotify. And we have, that's the two places we have our playlists right now. And there is a great, uh, there's I think 50 tracks in both playlists. There's a mixture of not only music, but also um, motivational messages. And I actually love turning on these messages. Um, actually, when I'm walking back um, from, from dropping off my daughter at school, I'll walk back and that's usually early in the morning. What I'll do is I'll turn one of those on and and I just go right to the playlist. I, I you know hit shuffle and I'll be listening either to a song or to one of these motivational messages that um, that really just correct your mind for the day. It's actually I would recommend listening to it during the morning when you're first starting off your day. Uh, don't save it for the end of the day because what we all need is like that energy, that starting point. Is how are we going to focus on our day? How are we going to look at what's going to happen? What's going to take place? And also, it's a great pick-me-up when you're halfway through the day, maybe around 2 p.m. or 3 p.m., and you need that pick-me-up. You need that shift in focus. Maybe something bad happened in the middle of your day. Let me give you a perfect example. I'm going to give you a real-life example. Today, I had a very unique situation happen. My business partner um, had his laptop and his camera stolen last week from one of his own employees, <laughs> and it was... Um, 
it was really it was really upsetting because we have the millennial summit i'm speaking at the millennial summit uh here in uganda in just a few days and we needed the equipment and it was like man what is going to happen well i started getting like really upset about the fact because how could you do this to my business partner you know that's my that's my brother like we're you know we're building something and um and so I got really upset, and and so anyway, the 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 boy comes in, the the photographer, he comes in, and he's actually really good at what he does. Um, however, he came in, and I just started getting heated. I was upset and disappointed in him, and all those feelings started stirring up, and I just had to walk away. I had to walk away. I had to control my emotions. I had to walk away, and and you know what? That started gripping my mind before I started my real estate day but I knew I needed to clear it up. So here's what I did. I went right into my uh, my iPhone, I went into the Apple Music, I went to the Fearless Millionaire Music playlist, and I turned it on for about 15 minutes, and I just went for a small walk, good quick 10, 15 minute walk, and I changed my mindset, because I didn't wanna take that energy with me onto the phone, or into my emails when I'm talking to sellers, or writing back to my business partners. I wanted to be in the right frame of mind. This business is all about your mindset. And if you're here now, you're listening to this podcast right now, you're here for that same exact reason. This industry and our business so much revolves around our mindset more than anything else. And you have to be the one to control that. If you don't control it, life will control you. And I hope that you don't let that happen to you. I hope you continue to sink your teeth and your ears and your mind into this kind of training um, that will help you gain clarity, gain confidence, and increase your cash flow. Thanks so much for listening in. I know we had a variety of talk today. We started off with the what's going on in the mortgage business, kind of like a continuation. And we ended off with your mindset. Remember, this business is kind of a mixture of both things, mindset, and the real estate. It's it's a combination of both, and that's actually how it will get you to the clarity and the cash flow uh, into your business. Thanks so much for listening in, and I'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Hey, it's Nathan again. I wanted to thank you so much for listening to the Fearless Millionaire podcast. I also appreciate all the comments and likes and shares and the questions that come in that you have about building your real estate investing business. You know, 10 years ago, it started off as just a dream and I started off with helping just one person gain clarity and confidence and cash flow into their real estate investing business. And I hope I can have that same opportunity to help you do that as well. In order to stay connected with me and the Fearless Millionaire community, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you can be notified and updated when we have a new episode. Also, jump over to our uh, Fearless Millionaire page on Facebook and on YouTube where we also share video trainings on what's happening and ways and strategies that you can build up your real estate investing business. Thanks again so much and I'll see you on the next episode.